Um, in the last couple of days, um, we've uh, gathered some things together to help a family in our community uh, who've lost everything in a house fire. And uh, I thank Chris and Shirley Kongu, uh, who've headed up the, um, the resourcing of, of this. And thankfully, a lot of the things that they need have already been gathered together. The main things that are left are really big ticket items like beds and uh, major white goods. Um, a lot of the basic things um, we've been able to arrange. If you are able or you know of someone who may be able to help, it's a family with four children, the youngest of which is a week old and the eldest of which is about 12, 14, seven, sorry, that's seven. And so mum and dad and four kids, she'd just come home from hospital only a couple of um, days before. So Chris, put your hand up. If you are able or you think you know of someone who may be able to help them out, can you see Chris? And But thank you to those and many of you are here tonight who've helped in some way to bring and gather that together and many others in our community. We're better when we do it together and uh, so many people around the hub and in, in our wider um, community have been helping. So wonderful. But uh, see Chris if you're able to help in any other way. Oh, okay. So he's left it to me to introduce my brother. Now, I always do a little bit of a test. Who's, who's oldest? Come on. Be very, very careful. Yes, I know your names. And for many of you, I know where you live. No. Okay. <laughs> My brother, Colin. Thank you. Uh, this evening's reading is from the Gospel of Luke. I had intended to speak on something else, but I felt prompted to... Um, think further about what the Lord was trying to say and so I'm I just want to share with you a parable um, and it's from Luke 18 Luke 18 then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man and there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God or regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge for on her behalf, for her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, and though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Um, when we were singing before, I don't know whether you can get the words up of the third song that was sung, I believe in the resurrection and there was a um a verse i think it's the second or the third verse where, that says you he god is our judge and our defender if you remember that here we go here there's a phrase in the song we sang earlier our judge and our defender it's an interesting thing but when you read the gospel of luke you come across three passages one uh, two of them are parables and one of them is the prayer that most Christians have learnt to pray 
somewhere along the line. If I just left it at that, you'd probably know exactly which prayer I was referring to. Our Father, which art in heaven. Yeah, the old KJV version is the one we've we've remembered, isn't it? Uh, And um, who art in heaven. Um, Or or as one little boy apparently um, said once, our Father Harold, be thy name. Um, Which makes sense when you say it very quickly for a three-year-old. That that makes sense, doesn't it? Um, There are these three passages, two are in Luke 11, where Jesus says, talks about prayer and he says, this is the way you pray. Have you ever been in a a situation where you don't know what to pray? Yeah, I have plenty of times. Do you know the prayer I pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. As I pray that prayer most times, especially when I'm not sure how I should pray. Because I think Jesus knew very well that there would be things we could pray in those kind of words that would be a help to us. Our Father. It was a revolution, you know, for, um, for the Jews to hear one of their rabbis say to them, that they could speak to God and use the word Father, which in the Aramaic is Abba. All right. You ever heard a child when they first start to talk about their father? Dad, dad, dad. And uh, that, that kind of uh, simplicity and beauty is kept in that lovely phrase that the Aramaic speakers use still. You can find men and women, boys and girls, still use that little word Abba and Jesus said you can now use that word to God and that was a revolution to a group of people who were even afraid to say the name of God they would even take uh, very much care to avoid saying it but if they had to say it they it would come out like a breath Yahweh Yahweh they were even afraid to go beyond that and so for them to hear that, there was a rabbi teaching them that they should say Abba to God. It was a revolution. We may not feel it quite the same. There's another one where you speak to God as a friend. And the little parable where Jesus says that there was a guy who's asleep at night and another fellow comes and bangs on his door and said, will you give me something? I've got guests have come. And uh, he said, you can talk to God like a friend. And I'd love to talk to you about that, but maybe when I come back again another time, I'll take you through that. But tonight I felt that I had to talk to you just for a few moments about the third one that I read out to you. When you come to God as your judge, you come into his courtroom and you speak to him. Have you ever been to court? Well, if we've listened to David, funny that, funny that he should mention that. Uh, He didn't know what I was going to speak about, but it's funny that he should mention that. He said, you know, 20, how many years now? 26, did you say? That's, it's finished. It started 31 years ago, but it finished 26 years ago, and it's no longer relevant. He's a free man. Hallelujah, yes. Processes mean that, and I'm sure that many people in recovery have, have, uh, had the experience they've had to face court they've had to go before a judge and um, I well remember as the brother of Beth that um, I first heard that she was interested 
in a fella that had <clears throat> had a court order on him and, and other things, I thought, I thought um, this will be interesting. Only Beth could find someone who should have been in jail. But, but, but I, saw, I thought that was funny. And then I met him, and, and he's a great fellow, and I've loved him as a brother ever since. But the interesting thing is, a lot of people in, this, in Australia, and particularly people who've gone through recovery services, have had, exchange, had exchanges in courts. They've had to face a judge. Their behaviour has meant that they are now, they now have to answer for that behaviour in a court of law. And it's interesting that God should say, sometimes you'll come to me as your father. Sometimes you'll come to me as your friend. And sometimes you'll come to me as your judge. And I wanted to talk to you about that because it, I think this is one of the missing links. Because you see, sometimes... I don't know whether you've found this. We pray our prayers. We do what we think is right, and yet still things go wrong. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that no matter, sometimes, no matter how much you try, no matter what effort you put in, still sometimes you, you see, God, things are not going right. You think you've got a promise from God and it doesn't come about. You think that life should be different and yet it isn't. You've been going to, going to TRS, you've been coming to chapel and you've been praying even and reaching out and wanting to know God more and yet some things haven't changed. Still, some things haven't changed. You hope that they would change. You'd hope that things would just get better and be better and always be better. But they're not. And one of the things that I've been learning, even now, even now in this point of my journey, is that sometimes I have to go before God as my judge and talk to him about outstanding warrants. And if you've ever been to the court and had to face with outstanding warrants, you probably know exactly what I mean. You know, all of us can have outstanding warrants on us. The way we speak the way our attitude comes out, the way our behaviour happens, the way we refuse to allow people to correct us when we even in our heads know we're wrong, the way we speak, the vitriol and the hatred that comes out of our mouth sometimes, the way we refuse to do the right thing, the way we only do the right thing sometimes when somebody's watching and when there's no one watching, we go back to the way we always do things. They're outstanding warrants. And sometimes in order to get moving in our life, we've got to deal with those outstanding warrants. And here's the beauty of the heavenly court system. You've got a judge and a defender. And the defender you have in court is none other than Jesus himself. And what happens according to uh, the parable is that he, he talks about this unjust judge who, who, doesn't, who doesn't really care. But because he doesn't, he's, he's sick of being annoyed by this woman, he says, all right, I'm going to give her, give her justice. She's got a case. She's been gabbing on about this all the time. And I'm sick of listening to it. I couldn't care less about her or her court case, 
or her rights or her adversary. I couldn't care, but because she's going to wear me out if I, you know, if I don't shut her up, I'm going to give her justice. And then Jesus says this, if, if an unjust judge will do the right thing, how much more, how much more will a just judge do? And that's why Jesus then invites us and says, come into the courtroom and this is what you do. You admit to your wrongdoing. You admit it. So the prosecutor is standing at the bench. It's none other than the devil himself. And he says, let me tell you a few things, judge, about this fella. Let me tell you what his attitudes are like. Let me tell you what he's like in group. Let me tell you how he won't allow himself to be corrected. Let me tell you how he goes back to violence all the time. Let me tell you how he hates in his head. He hates. He despises people in his head. Let me tell you about them. And in the heavenly court, the prosecutor comes up with every accusation and you know in your head as you're standing there in the bench, to, in your, at the bench, you know he's right. And your instincts are to lie and, and, and pretend and try to get out of it. But in the heavenly court system, Jesus invites you to do this. Father, judge, every one of those warrants is true. Every one of them. What I'm like in my head, what I'm like in the private place of my own heart, what I behave like, everything he says is true. But I've got an interest in the Saviour's blood and I'm asking your forgiveness. Do you know what happens in the heavenly court is that the just judge gives you justice. You don't pay for it. You don't deserve it. You shouldn't be getting it. But in the heavenly court system, you can have it. If an unjust judge will do justice, how much more will a just judge do? Now, this parable is a profound thing because... Every now and then, you won't be aware of it at first, but what will be happening is this. And if you want to read what happened, you can read what happened to Job at the start of the book of Job. This happens. The enemy wants to stop you. And so for the guys and girls in recovery, this is what happens. The enemy wants to stop you in your progress through recovery. He wants you to fail. He wants you to fail. He wants you to keep failing. He doesn't mind if you keep coming back. He just wants you to keep failing. He doesn't need to try and beat you up. He just wants you to fail and then you'll beat yourself up. He wants you to fail. And even if you're not in recovery, he wants us to fail. The whole system is built on our failing and we do a great job. Out of our mouth comes words that are just plain rotten. In our heart, 
we have attitudes that are just appalling. We have, in the secret place of our own head, we have such crap, it'd take trucks to get it out. We have such nonsense and arrogance and rudeness and bitterness and hatreds. We look so nice on the outside. But on the inside, there are truckloads of stuff and it'll take years to get it out. And we come to God and we pray one prayer and we think that gets rid of it. But the problem is the enemy has grounds against us. And so I'm finding now, I'm going back to the court more and more. Back to the court more and more. And because I'm feeling like sometimes the enemy wants me to fail and I can feel him pointing the finger at me. I can feel him oppressing me. I can feel him stirring the pot against me. So I know there's something not quite right. And so I go back to the courtroom and I say, my judge and my defender, I'm back again. Oh good, says the enemy. I know what to do with you. And he trots out all the warrants. And I'm getting used to it now. Because I say to my heavenly judge, judge, every one of the charges are true. I admit my wrongdoing, but I have an interest in the Saviour's blood. He died for me. His blood was shed for me. I believe his blood will wash my sin, all the warrants away. So I claim an interest in that blood right in front of you right now. And then you hear the judge say, I have forgiven you I have released you I have forgiven you it's no longer grounds that the enemy can use against you and then when you hear the enemy say you're not such a good person you're a failure you're never going to amount to anything you can stand up and say you can gab on all you like because I know what I am I have sinned against the Lord, but I have, a, I have an interest in the Saviour's blood. Now, I don't know about you, but I think we live in an age for quick fixes. Quick fixes. So I'm going to go into recovery, for example, and I'm just going to do a few months like Mitchell Pierce. Right, I'm going to do a Mitchell Pierce. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just going to pray a few prayers. I'm just going to say a few things. I'm going to remember even the 12 steps. I'm really clever. Um, I could do all that and that'll just get me through. I'll do a few months here and then I'll go back. I'll, I'll, I'll just go back to the way I've always lived. It'll work. I'll just do a few things. It'll work out. Now, I don't know, but there's probably a few people in this room that's found, hey, man, it doesn't work out. You go bang. You go bang sometimes. And I'm telling you this, sometimes you feel like you've said sorry to God. You've actually asked for forgiveness and you think, well, that'll do it now. You know, once for all, you only need to do it once, works once. Well, in actual fact, that does not true. In fact, what we've got to do is go back to the court again and again and again. Whenever we feel like there's something outstanding, In fact, I think we might have to learn from this and go to God on a regular basis and say, Lord, is there any way that's offensive in me? Do you remember the psalmist? See if there be any offensive way in me. Show me. And then as soon as you have that sense that God has shown you something that's not quite right, 
go straight into the courtroom and tell the judge, judge, everything the devil's telling you is true and I confess it and I repent of it and I want to be free of it and I want you to wash me clean and uh, if it would be possible for you to give him the raspberry as he leaves the court, that'd be great too. It's the idea that you pray one little prayer and suddenly it's over never comes up. For Jesus says you pray over and over again, Abba, Abba. Not just once. You don't pray it once. It's the prayer you pray almost all the time. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Huh? The friend who, who comes at night, you do it over and over again. You pray like that to God because there are needs that come up in people's lives over and over again. And there are times when you've got to go into the court over and over again. And if you, go, if you need to go into the heavenly court 10 times a day and you only go nine, you're making it hard for yourself. Every time, go back there and say, Lord, everything that jolly that prosecutor is saying is true. It's true. I did that, I think that, my attitude stinks. Yeah, all of it's true, but I have an interest in the Saviour's blood. He died for me. I'm by faith, I have a righteousness, which is a right living, which is not mine, is a gift from him. So I'm standing on my ground, Lord, the ground you gave me, and I want you to forgive me. I claim that victory. Do you know, I'm coming to land right now. Do you know... There are some people who have been Christians all their lives and they badly need to do this. Because you can look sweetness and light on the outside but be a pit of death on the inside. You don't want to live like that. It's, not, it's no fun. You ever, I mean, you, what are you going to do when you go to church and you, you're just full of darkness on the inside? How do you fake that? People who know they've been forgiven usually walk out of court crying or laughing or laughing and crying. You remember that footballer that recently left court after the court case? The judge has found the woman who brought the accusations against him, a warrior Hargrave. He got off and as he's coming out, there's a smile on his face and there are tears in his eyes. I mean, it's a real thing for him. I wouldn't know about the case myself, but I saw the look on his face. Have you ever walked away from a situation where you were in the wrong and then somebody released you and you felt the sheer thrill of that go through your body? You feel it. Physiologically, it goes through you. It feels good. The thing hanging over me is gone. When you go into the courtroom of heaven, you can rely on the fact that the judge is just. But it's not the ordinary kind of justice when you go into the courtroom and admit your fault and confess your wrong. The Bible says he, the judge, is faithful and he will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful?
You don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss this. If you're doing recovery, you don't want to miss this. If you're doing life without recovery, outside of recovery, you don't want to miss this. If you've never had a problem with an addiction, you still don't want to miss this. If you're having a problem with addiction, you're going to enjoy this. Not because you can go round and round and do the same things over and over again and expect to get forgiveness, but because when you go out of the courtroom having your sins forgiven, you'll say in your heart, no more. I don't want to go back anymore. God is faithful. He is just. He will forgive you your sins, but you must not dodge your wrongdoing. So many of us try to put on this human religious face as if we're sweetness and light, as if there wasn't any problems in us. We have garbage going on on the inside of us and we're pretending. We put this mask on and hoping nobody knows. Why live like that? When there is a heavenly judge who includes our defender and where we can come clean and be clean and get victory. Who wouldn't want that? No one, I would suggest. And the other advantage, by the way, in all this is that the Bible actually says of people who've been in the heavenly court this little thing. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. None. You know how much none is? Zero. Zip. None. Not any. Nothing coming back. None. Zero. Zip. I don't know any other words for none. Zilch. I want you to live like this and your heavenly father wants you to live like this. Never, ever be afraid to come into his courtroom and admit your sin. He is faithful and just. He will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you and praise you and give you all the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we're going to come, we're singing a song, aren't we? Singing a song? We always sing a song. This is not try a little kindness, right? Oh, good. Because I want to do something first. I want, I'm I'm saying, a lot of you know that this is a place of prayer and and that's cool. I'm, I'm glad. But I'm actually making a special offer tonight. Uh, not the steak knives for everybody, if you know what I mean. I want a special offer tonight to pray with any man or woman who's been afraid to come to God and be honest. You might have prayed prayers and hoped, but you've never been honest. You've never been truly honest about what's going on the inside. You've been a bit religious. If you've struggled with this because you're not sure how good God is I hope I've persuaded you that you can trust him to be just and faithful but if you would like to start the process of going into the heavenly courtroom no one's going to speak with you no one's going to counsel you or pray with you but I want you to come and kneel and I want you to say to God God there's there's some stuff I've been doing secretly 
and I want to admit to it tonight. Here it is. And I ask for your forgiveness and I ask for your cleansing. That's all you have to do. And then you get yourself up and say, thank you, Lord. And go back to your seat. Is it a deal? Think about it. And if you want to do that, that's what we're going to do in here. The reason I'm doing it this way is I don't want you to be babies. I want you to know how to do this for yourself. Anywhere you are, then you can do it. And if you need to do it a hundred times a day, how many times are you going to do it? A hundred. Yeah. And if it's a thousand times a day, how many times are you going to do it? A thousand. It'll work every time. It's like Novocaine. Dentists use that all the time. Yeah. If you need to do that, right? We've got a little song. Yeah. They're just going to minister this. They'll be singing about it. And you might like to make, make this your space. Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes, bow your head. If you need to make this your time of prayer and use the courtroom, why don't you come? Why don't you make your way now? Thank you, Lord. Do your business. Make that confession. Let God have it all. Deal with it all. Be honest. Be brutally honest. Don't hold anything back. And try to make it up.